you are listening to a podcast that will focus on one question. What the fuck is going on in this All type of knowledge ultimately means self-knowledge. So therefore, they are coming in to, I mean, and ask me to teach them not so much of how to defend themselves or how to do somebody in. Rather, they want to learn to express themselves through some movement, be it anger, be it uh, determination. He is paying me to show him in combative form the art of expressing the human body. Recording live from a Hollywood walk-in closet, welcome to the new normal. Because we all have home studios in our closets these days, right? Content, content, content creation, content creation. Life, it happens cyclically. We create, and there's content. The content creates more content, and then we create even more content from that content, and it just is an enormous spiral unraveling itself into the singularity? Probably. Welcome to New Normal. I'm your host, Brian Newfang. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Um, this whole thing is a crazy experiment, and I, uh, yeah. I'm glad we're all in this together, really. So here we go. This is episode seven. And um, let me just say that some of this is written and some of it is improvised, but I'm hoping you can't tell the difference, right? That's the goal with my writing, I think. I No, no, I'm pretty, that's actually my goal. Never mind. I can't really sort too much stuff out like I I do that thing where I verbally sort stuff out like I think thoughts out loud in order to hear myself because sometimes without the verbal expression or the acknowledgement of the thought out loud it just you know fills my head with anxiety like I I think that's how I avoid anxiety half the time is just by is just by speaking the thoughts that are in my head so that they have less power like I've taken some of that mental energy and expelled it out as vocal energy. And then it, it can't just like bounce around and ping off of, you know, like neuron to neuron and drive me fucking crazy because that's usually what it does. I'm learning a lot about myself doing this. I hope that you're learning um, about yourself, really. I hope, honestly, I hope that you're living into the life that you want to live. And um, my question to myself, and then I'll ask it to you, are you doing what you feel you are meant to do? That's a big question. And you don't have to answer it. Sometimes it's okay just to sit with the questions. Welcome to New Normal, a radical, practical, mystical, physical, spiritual podcast. It's radical. Because I may talk about some far-out shit, ways of being in and perceiving the world that may or may not foster individual change, which may or may not lead eventually to collective cultural change. But the revolution happens inside. And it's practical, because I'm a Capricorn. And if you're open to the far-out shit I talk, 
the applications are usually pretty simple, and the shifts are often profound. It's mystical because that's just how I experience it. It's mysterious. But we are capable of so much more than we allow ourselves to be. We're a real mixed bag. Humanity. It's physical because the body keeps the score, and it's all a metaphor. Use it or lose it, as the old heads say. Your body. It's a universe of experience by which life is interpreted and cataloged for what things might mean in the future. And this is spiritual because it all really just adds up to the energetic experience we all get to have being fully alive and fully present if we choose. I realize some don't want that, which is great because balance, right? Woke might not recognize woke if not for the people that sleep chose. We can recognize ourselves as a conduit for the never-ending current of ever-flowing universal energy. Or maybe we're just decaying meat sacks, delaying our inevitable death because we're ruled by fear. Inside our heads and outside in the world. Ugh, and now that I have literally given myself a headache, a word from our sponsor. Take some ibuprofen if you need some help. Take it, take, take some take ibuprofen it, off the shelf. Take it, take, take some it, ibuprofen take for yourself. Take some ibuprofen for someone else. Take it down. Take it down. <laughs> Thank you, ibuprofen. My mission in this evolving experiment known as New Normal is to embody my own authentic self-expression in a way that challenges me to grow into the person I want to become and inspires others to do the same, if that's what they want. If autonomy and freedom of expression are values you would like to cultivate in your life, then that's what I'm here for. We can cultivate that shit together. Um, because look, we barely scratched the surface of individual human potential in our culture, I think. We revere it in all forms of entertainment, but then seem satisfied to just write ourselves out of the story of greatness. Too often, I have found myself at a dead end and in need of reinvention. Some of those took years, and some changes happened the moment of decision. And I don't have any answers. Only more questions and experiences to share. You know, maybe some knowledge combined with that experience will equal wisdom, but it feels presumptuous to think I might be wise. It's like the truth is mixed with all the lies I tell myself to survive. Striving for health and a wealth of love. As below, so above. You know, I never met a four I didn't like. Metaphors for living... Not just life, but experience, enriched by exploiting a glitch in the matrix shift. 1446, that's my pin number, biatch. Let's get rich. Or die trying. Or try not dying in a pantsuit made for tie-dyeing. Try skydiving with no parachute. Earth flying feedback loop. My mind is on fire, but my brain is goop. Just a pulsing organ hosting the electrical experience of emotion, either driving me closer to or away from freedom. But really? What the, what the fuck, fuck is, is going, going on in this goddamn, goddamn world? world, 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 world. <laughs>
But if you do not have styles, if you just say, well, here, here I am, you know, as, uh, as a human being, how can I express myself totally and completely? Now, that way, you won't create a style because style is a crystallization, you know? I mean, that way, it's a process of continuing growth. Ultimately, martial art means honestly expressing yourself. Now, it is very difficult to do. Or I can make all kinds of phony thing, you see what I mean? Blinded by it, or I can show you some really fancy movement. But to express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly, now that, my friend, is <laughs> very hard to do. And you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. When you want to move, you're moving. And when you move, you are determined to move. Not taking one inch, not anything less than that. If I want to punch, I'm going to do it, man. And I'm going to do it, you see. So, I mean, so that is the type of thing you have to train yourself into it. To become one with the... I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. Now, you put water into a cup, it becomes the cup. You put water into a bottle, it becomes the bottle. You put it in a teapot, it becomes the teapot. Now, water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. You know what I want to think of myself? As a human being. Because, I mean, I don't want to sound like, you know, as Confucius, eh? But under the sky, under the heaven, man, there is but one family. It just so happened, man, that people are different. This is my seventh episode, and in it, I get to talk with a beautiful human who goes by the name of John San Juan. John is a yoga instructor, an energy educator, plant coach, and has a business making masks for people and clothes for dogs. He's really an entrepreneur in so many ways. If you're in LA or you find yourself in LA, I highly recommend taking a class with him. His philosophy and approach to teaching captures and distills the essence of his disciplined practice, and he shows other people how to become masters of their own transformation through the practice of yoga. John is the perfect new normal guest. In this episode, we talk a lot about transformation, energy, the habit of having a practice, using the body as a living metaphor that we walk around with every day, there is so much talk about harnessing the power of the subconscious mind. Well, at least in the sponsored ads on my YouTube feed, but the body is the subconscious mind. The two are inextricably linked. And any power to be harnessed tends to come about during the moments where our bodies, hearts, and minds are aligned in the heat of some intentional action. We call it flow, whatever. There's real power and energy there that we can tune into when we need it. But please allow me to get off of my soapbox and introduce you via conversation with my guest, John Sanwell. So uh, for the people listening and just for myself too, how do you define or describe yourself in the work that you do? I am a yoga instructor. I am an energy educator. 
And I think that is what um, I'm carving out my, my space to be. Um, and what I mean by energy educator is um, we spend so much of our lives focusing on our mind. And for me in particular, I spent almost none of my life really trying to understand my body and, uh, and the body as energy. That's how the body, that's what everything is. And, and uh, being a yogi, um, being on this path, ultimately we're learning how to manage the life force energy that is us. Um, and so that managing the life force energy that is you and it, on my path, um, you know, I have an MBA from Cornell. I work corporate at Warner brothers. And what I realized was I was losing power, meaning the most powerful self that I knew myself, that I knew that I was capable of being, I was not yet. And I felt like I was losing power. So um, starting to understand where I was losing the power is all of the mindfulness and the um, self-observation and the self-study that comes with the yoga. Um, but in less a psychiatric way and more of a, where is your chi? Like, where are you losing chi? Where are you losing life force energy? Where are you feeling depleted? You know, where, where are you feeling um, uh, unfulfilled? You know, because I wanted to feel expansive. I wanted to feel like pure potential. I wanted to feel radiant. You know, those were the vibrations that I wanted to feel or that I knew myself capable of feeling and yet I wasn't. So um, when it comes down to being an energy educator, I really try in my yoga classes to talk about that, um, you know, because ultimately yoga and meditation is going to increase your mindfulness, your ability just to see yourself. And when you start to see yourself, you're gonna have to be able to speak or know the signs and the languages of the body so that you understand where your body is losing power. And through that, through that journey and through that really of uh, um, that self-healing, I take a lot of uh, my, my knowledge of this, I guess, is taken from um, Ananda Judith. She's uh, she's kind of a Western uh, Western energy educator, and then there's all of the Eastern uh, um, teachings about chakras and um, and your energy centers and and the gunas and the doshas and um, you know just kind of seeing the the mind body spirit connection in a way that is connected and not so psychological when it comes to the mind, uh, athletic when it comes to the body, and then religious when it comes to the spirit. You know, like those are the Western modalities and they're so compartmentalized. And so my, what, I'm, what I try to do as a yoga in, instructor, as well as an energy educator, is infuse that into uh, my classes, into my teachings, um, so that the ultimate goal is you find your life purpose, you know, Th that you shine as, as bright as Beyonce and you find your life purpose. And um, that is, and I'm still on that path even myself. Um, 
but I know that I am a little bit further down the path than, um, than some people who probably just woke up, you know, and really had that realization during the pandemic. Like I, I choose to live my best life. I choose not to live under the societal subscriptions that were, that I've unconsciously adopted, you know, I choose to break free and find liberation, you know, and, and then once you make that decision, now what girl, you know, now what? Um, uh, so uh, I guess the last thing is, um, we often look outside for the answers. So part of uh, being an energy educator is teaching my students to read the subtle energies and the vibrations inside their body and then and to turn to their body um, for guidance, to turn to the body for wisdom, to access the body for ancestry, to access the body, you know, um, for so many different things, uh, guidance, instinct, purpose, all of that, your body has been trying to speak to you all your life. Um, and, and for me, like I started hearing it, you know, um, I, I would say about, this was about uh, 2014, 2015 was when things just really, I was in my mid thirties and things just really started to shift for me. I really like how you speak to the education of the subtle energies for for people because I can hear that and know and make different reference points from my experience. But I think there is a lot of, like you said, a lot of people coming to like waking up or having that, uh, haven't been given this pause and really time to reflect. So let me ask you for a little more clarification when it comes to your energy or you, you describe it as you said, chi, the life force energy. Is there a physical reference point when you go into a monitor like where's my chi at today how do i how do you connect with that energy for yourself uh the gateway is always the breath the gateway is always the breath um if my breath you know feels free liberated um uh, conscious meaning it's it's free moving um you know uh then that's a good sign. And I, you know, keep observing and then go into, you know, the body and how does the body feel? Um, but again, if my breath feels restrictive, if, um, you know, just, and that's what I mean, like to, we know the difference between expansive versus restrictive, you know, and, and, and those are just words pointing to a vibration, you know? Um, and what I'm trying to get to is our understanding of the vibration, you know, so it's not just the word, but it is the expansiveness of chi, which is like, you know, th that's how I want to feel versus the restriction of my chi, which is what I felt myself day in and day out at Warner Brothers, you know, kind of feeling. And like you said about your job, I, I worked in theatrical deal management. So I basically did everyone's break, break evens. I knew what everyone got. I knew how much everyone needed to get paid. And if they audited us, I was the first. And my movies were like The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, um, Batman, uh, sorry, The Dark Knight. So I had good titles, but uh, my, I felt my life force energy um, was contracting. And that started an onset of habits and patterns that um, were destructive, just a lot of drug use because I wanted to feel some kind of pleasure during the week because I hated everything during the week, you know? Um, the way I even approached my body was unhealthy. It was strictly cosmetic. 
um, uh, there was nothing, you know, just bigger biceps, you know, I'm gay. So, you know, just look the best gay you can look, you know, and just, I don't know, there were just a lot of things that just weren't healthy. That kind of life is exhausting on all fronts, mental, emotional, physical, career, you know, recreational, it was all going downhill. And, um, you know, one of the things that makes yoga such a humbling practice is it forces us to do shadow work, you know, on the mat, it forces us to do shadow work in, in the most minuscule ways, you know, really taking a look at the fact that our hamstrings are really fucking tight, you know? Yeah. And I, I think it's so beautiful because why is that? And when you were talking about the restrictive versus the expansive nature of energy and the felt sense one might have of it, that shows up physically, I think, through tension and the patterns that we start to, mm -hmm. uh, sort of get into it. And it's a habitual thinking, habitual movement. And I mean, yeah. And, and if you're, if you're reading Louise Hayes, then sometimes those physical things have uh, an emotional or a spiritual growth component that it's like, look at it from this angle. Are your hamstrings tight because you're holding on to said, you know, like whatever she says. Tension. Yeah. It's so funny that you were going to mention Louise Hay because in grad school. So mind so I was working at Warner Brothers and I ended up getting my MBA from Cornell. And in the, during grad school, I developed sciatica um, and uh, it was painful. I could not walk. I, I, I literally could not even drive my car because it was on my right leg and you pedal on the right. And I was, I would wince in pain. And, um, you know, it was, you know, because my idea was I'm going to go into C-suite at Warner Brothers and actually start to deal make movies. You know, that was my, that was my you know, that's what's going to make John happy. Um, but my body and my spirit said, no, <laughs> no more. Like you will move no further, you know? And, um, and then it, sciatica developed. And I think um, people who maybe don't have the mindfulness in the self-observation would simply see sciatica as a muscular or, um, you know, central nervous system failure. Um, whereas I knew it was, I am moving in a direction that I can no longer, um, I can no longer go on. Um, and my body developed the, uh, the, the illness to, to make that point known to me. Um, and it was funny because it was because of that. I couldn't literally could not forward fold. My best friend said, Hey John, why don't you come to hot yoga with me? The heat will help you. And, I mean, and then boom, that's where it began. I did not do yoga, like, I mean, until I was 34, oh, I want to wow. say. Yeah. And so that, that like completely started you on a whole nother path. Was it from that first yoga practice with your friend? And you're like, oh shit, I have arrived. Like there's something yeah. here for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, it just fell right in line. Um, and so in healing my body, I started to notice that it was more than just a physical healing it was a mental healing it's mental health whenever you get on the mat and then um the more you take and then the more you dive not just into the physical asana practice but into you know just the philosophical practice of yoga then you start to access um healing for the spirit and that's when um i really uh latched on to my guru um you know, his name is Brent LaFoon and he, um, he just knows yoga so well. And, um, and so we're actually 
uh, doing a teacher training together and um, and just the philosophy behind the practice is so beautiful. I wish so I wish more people had access to it because whenever people say that they want to deepen their yoga practice, I truly believe it's that that they're asking for. You know, you enter yoga through the physical body. The physical body then lends its uh, and the physical healing then lends its way into the mind for the mental health. The mind then lends itself into the spiritual gateway. And that hopefully again will lead to purpose. But when people say they want to deepen their yoga practice, they don't want to do more handstands. They don't want to like, you know, they, they want to understand how this practice can um, really start to change things on all levels. Um, so yeah, the philosophy and stuff uh, behind that is what, yeah. Um, so that's, that's what, you know, created the shift and the change in me. And so after getting my MBA, um, I, I said, fuck it, I can't do this. You know, everyone else went off, like, you know, you know, either stayed with their companies or, you know, just did whatever MBAs do. And I uh, became a yoga instructor and became broke. <laughs> like broke. Um, but I mean, luckily I had a 401k. I'm at that point right now where things are looking up. Like um, in 2019, I was homeless for two months and it's not something I tell a lot of people, um, but uh, I, yeah, it, just the, the circumstances laid out where um, my lease was broken um, and I couldn't afford to live on my own. Um, and so I just, yeah, for two months, I was um, not like, you know, everything was in storage. I lived out of my car and then like, you know, slept at my best friend's um, in her extra bedroom um, until my new apartment uh, came uh, came online. But um, I'm finally at that point now where like it's, it's starting, the abundance is increasing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, the, the path towards self-realization is not for the faint hearted, you know? especially when it comes to uh, living life without, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, cause you have to, you have to be ready for the possibility for anything, you know? Yeah. But, and, and I think if I, if I may interject something that uh, I find fascinating to, you know, allow those things to kind of, it's hard to, to recognize them as teaching moments up front, you know, when you're like in it, you're yeah. wrecked by life in some way, not sure what is going to happen next. It has probably never been worse for you at that point, but to have a practice to return to and somewhere to turn off the monkey mind and, and, and do that through the engagement of the body. Right. Cause in a sense, yeah. you're, you're re uh, focusing your energy to the greater mind Right. I, this is my, my personal philosophy is the body is a metaphor and you can use yoga. You can use martial arts. You can use uh, just a, a daily practice of any kind. If you intentionally do so with curiosity mm -hmm. and try to understand it, you know, like what makes up a lot of the subconscious mind is what makes up the day to day body, like mm -hmm. the, the pain signals, the uncomfortableness, the hunger, the mixed signals that we are always trying to interpret moment to moment like that's sucking up a lot of our energy too. And when we intentionally engage with those stories and I think of them as stories, like what story is my head spinning? 
uh, related to this incident or what story am I telling myself about this body uh, tension and discomfort, you know, and trying to like uh, get answers. And sometimes you just have to sit there not knowing for the answer to come. But yeah, you speak to all of these principles so beautifully. How did you practice acceptance or surrender to that? Because I'm sure that you, you had mixed feelings about the moment. You know, am, is my life falling apart? Am, am I who I say I am? Like what was getting um, to it's okay? You know what I mean? Was there, was there a journey to get to it's okay, this situation? There was, there was never a sense of like, like shame or like, you know, what, what did you do? You know, to, it was more like, this is just an experience I'm going to have to feel and allow myself to feel knowing that it's not going to be like this forever, but you know, how can I go through this with as much grace and gratitude as possible? You know, if anything, um, simply to keep my, my mental health, you know, um, at, at a baseline. Uh, um, but then also truthfully, i I feel like the things that I experience are so that I can teach, you know, it, it makes me um, more qualified as a teacher to, um, to teach because I know, and I tell this to my students all the time, especially the ones who get to this place that I know what darkness feels like. Trust me, baby, I know what darkness feels like. Um, and, so yeah, there was, you know, there's part of that, you know, just me being human and, and I guess allowing um, whatever, you know, darkness and the emotions that come with that to uh, express express itself. But there was also this under, and, and I felt this when I was, um, when I was homeless, I felt this undercurrent of support. You know, I felt the undercurrent of, I was groundless and yet I felt so grounded in my practice and in myself that um, it just, you know, I, I saw what it was like, you know, I'm not the only one in LA who, who's had to live out of his car, you know, um, and just take a real hard look at inequities and, and the differences of living in this amazing city. Um, and then, you know, and then I got the apartment. So um, it, I, it, I guess the practice allowed me to stay with the moment, flow with the moment without ever allowing it to be part of my uh, forever narrative. It was just a lesson, you know, and knowing that, that, that awareness of that made it more, um, made it easier to manage on the day to day. And I think, again, not having that um, is, can be really troubling troublesome, you know, um, which is why, I don't know, you know, the yoga and all of that is so important. So that when we do hit those, those dark moments, we still have that, that mindfulness to know that it's not always going to be like this, learn the lesson, tomorrow will be different. Yeah, well, and I know firsthand that you're an amazing teacher. And one of the things I was going to speak to earlier was that I wanted to just express in this interview or this conversation, um, how much gratitude I have for you as a teacher um, for the few classes that I've taken, but you are, uh, have been such a catalyst for Minnie's growth. So, and that's, you know, something that's so special to me because she is someone who is, um, you know, that I love so much and 
And when I watched I do her, <laughs> yeah, right. She's a hard person not to love. But when I watched her sort of transform through knowing you and your teaching and she would bring back home and it opened up conversations for us as, as she went on and started to uh, experience herself differently. Mm. And I could go on. I have a whole episode because you know her personally. So you know her story. Yeah. But I could just uh, I just wanted to put that out there and let you know um, how much gratitude I feel towards the work that you do and the way that um, you connect with people, probably uh, because you have this innate knowing, I, you know, uh, the, the felt sense of experience that you can transmit through um, yogic philosophy movement. And really, gosh, I really hope that people more so now get to find that integration, body, mind, spirit, because you're, you, you touched on it earlier, but we're taught separation. We're conditioned in separation. This leads to this A, B, and C. And, you know, I think what's happening now, this great awakening, the, you know, like I feel like there's more of these conversations happening and it's really about people trying to assimilate and understand these sort of changing narratives culturally, interpersonally. Um, and yeah, I think yoga has got to be one of the most um, fat, like, not fast, track, but the most succinct ways to start to integrate those understandings. And um, it's, it, yeah, it's like I said, I think the body's a metaphor, but when you're on the mat, you know, and you're in a pose and it hurts and it's uncomfortable, but you learn to breathe, you learn to relax, you have a physical sense of what it's like to transform the energy in that moment. And I feel like that's the lesson. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's, right? there's so much, like the practice, there's so many so much of the lesson in the practice all the time. And um, I now that I have the literacy and I feel like it um, it's a new literacy that was born of the pandemic because I was one of the few people who really expanded into abundance uh, because of the pandemic. Yeah, um, Let, let's talk about that if you don't mind. I'd like to hear kind of how that unfolded for you. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone, no one can work. <laughs> like no one, everyone, there was, there was a day in LA where like no one could work, you know, um, production people couldn't go to the sets, you know, hairdressers couldn't, whatever. Um, and I realized that as a yoga teacher, I can still teach even though I'm, I don't have a studio. Um, the conditions and, and things would be different. Um, you know, the pay would be, I'd have to put that to the side for the moment. Um, you know, this is early pandemic. No one had, no one knew about Zoom. Um, it was all IG live. Um, but once again, um, the practice remained when everything else was taken away. And so um, when I chose to do that, which is, again, I'm a yoga teacher. So I, I you know, I kept walking on my path my path started to reveal all the things that um, that I think I was meant to teach and also that was resonating at the time for people. Um, this great awakening, you know, um, this great societal shift, this, um, you know, uh, the social justice movement that, you know, happened as a result of the pandemic, um, just all of that. And, and so that's why I was saying uh, earlier that the, now that I have the literacy of how yoga and meditation create and further and fuel your awakening and your self-realization, 
through the standing in a pose, through the discomfort um, that, you know, it starts to build and build and build into a greater awareness of um, ourselves as energy, physical, mental, spiritual energy, and to know when it's aligned and to know when you're losing power, when you're losing chi, when you're losing prana, you know, um, how do I now, you know, um, I am bringing it into my classes because I'm seeing like this happen, you know, these podcasts happen, these uh, points of awareness um, and, and awakening happen individually on the mat. And so I, I'm trying to, um, you know, bring that literacy and that teaching into every class um, so that it's not just, you know, a, a cool sequence uh, to good music, but it's also, you know, this is why we stay in poses so, for so fucking long. It's to be comfortable with discomfort. That's it, to be comfortable with discomfort. Great, you learned that vibration because it's an essential part of life, it, you know? It, that, I, I mean, I would even do like, I wanna say that is life. Yeah. Like when you are comfortable in the uncomfort, then you can withstand the constant growth that you will face because the greatest, the, I feel like the greatest lie we've ever been told is the story of, uh, well, that's how it's always been, or that's just the way it is. Like there's an acceptance of, you know, some real fucked up narratives for people to just be like writing it off as though, well, this is my body. I've never been able to move like this because that's just the way it is or the way I am. And I'm sure you've seen it. People, once you start to align those energies and start to retell the story of yourself, physically, you start to fucking do things that you never knew were possible yeah. for yourself. And it's a, it's yeah. like, it's an exchange. It's a metaphor. Um, and it's like you said, it's a, it's a path. Yeah. And you we're all going to walk it differently, but the literate, I, I love that you call it literacy because I literally think like it's a language, right? It and, is a language. And it's, it's not, it's not a spoken language. It's a, it's a language of frequency of vibration yeah. of something where uh, my friend, um, Trish, she's a sound healer. She, um, she, she talks about beyond the linguistic template lies the the true language of humanity which is i see you yeah. i hear you i feel you and it's not like you can't necessarily always wrap words around it sometimes those are just distractions we've been given to kind of you know like when you say a certain thing the vibration of that story is actually a dead end to your growth because just that language keeps you stuck in the place that you've always been yeah so where else do you go yeah and uh, I say this to my students all the time, don't get stuck up on the word. The word, like the word Miami is not Miami, you know? <laughs> the, like the word is just pointing to the vibration that I'm, that I'm trying to explain. And so I love what your friend said, yeah, beyond the linguistic template and to get into what is the vibration really? Because, um, you know, you get stuck on words. You know, um, yeah. read too much into words. But if you look behind the word, um, the vibration is almost always really clear to most people. You know? um, so that's what, and that's what I mean by energy literacy and, um, and being energy ed educator to, to put these, to give people the vernacular to then start to self-diagnose, you know, mm -hmm. um, to give them the framework um, 
that is more holistic. Um, like I mentioned earlier, it's um, uh, school and mind, uh, athleticism and gym for the body and then religion and spirit. Like they're so separate and sometimes you don't even fuck with all three, you know, like right. um, right. to give them and then to move that away and to give them a new framework, a new framework of looking at the body, um, uh, a new way of uh, starting to read their energy and to be mindful enough to, um, to catch the subtle differences. Um, and then when they catch the subtle differences, to give them the vernacular to then start to um, title, diagnose, you know, prescribe. And this is all the internal work. Mm -hmm. They are doing this for themselves um, in the same way that I did for myself, you know? Yeah. Um, to, yeah, because you're your best teacher. No one knows you better than you. It's so true. And how easily it is for us to forget or I feel, I was thinking about this today in preparation for this conversation too. It's like part of the, my experience with similar work is it's a lot about remembering, mm -hmm. you know, like the answers that you, like, I think you mentioned it, they're all within, but for whatever reason, we kind of talk ourselves or we language ourselves out of certain realms of experience because, well, I don't know, trauma, fear, conditioning, um, you know, the, you know, I don't know what else. There's so many things that can get in our way, but the human, I feel like the nature of humanity and the human body, the spirit, all of that energetic stuff that makes up this funky organism that, you know, traips around the planet, you know, if I can, whatever it is, is, um, it has everything already in place. Mm -hmm. The gene expression will take its course and that you know, the environment can influence that internally and externally, how we feel, what we think, what we eat, you know, all these things play into it. And, you know, to, to start to, yeah, to start to learn what all of those things mean in concert with one another, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's um, just, well, yeah. yeah. Um, Energy literacy. So much of this practice has been uh, rediscovering who I always was, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because all of this, I've always, this has always been me, but somehow along the path and I'm, I'm going to say that was when I turned five and had to go to school. Um, <laughs> that's, and, when the, that's when the trauma started <laughs> all, like a, a major part of, of the trauma that I had to heal from <laughs> was, um, yeah, like, but I've always known myself to be this person and I am more truly, uh, more truly who I am today than I was, you know, when I, in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That wasn't that long ago. Either. It wasn't. No. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, just in my life, that was definitely the, um, I felt that the life force was cresting, you know, mm -hmm. um, things were not good. I mean, I was suicidal. Like that's how bad it got. I would literally pray um, uh, to be in accidents. I would pray, and this is fucked up because there were other people on the plane, but pray for the plane to crash. And I like, I, that's where my mind was, mm -hmm. you know? Um, uh, yeah, like 
thoughts of like, you know, driving my car as fast as I could into a brick wall, you know, mm -hmm. just like they're just constant, 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 constant. Um, and uh, so that's what I mean. Like the life force was cresting. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And here yeah. I am. Now. Yeah, you're you. What I what I recognize when I see you post on Instagram or read your, you know, see your stories and stuff, um, talking about mental health, it's a it's a big part of the work that you do. And actually, if I read correctly, you have an initiative or something that you're doing locally here now with a couple of different groups to for mental health awareness month. Yeah. You you're using your work to help other people sort of start to find a way back to a healthy mind, body, spirit connection. Yeah, just giving them uh, so I uh, I'm working with the Museum of Contemporary Art um, uh, and Crenshaw Dairy Mart. Uh, Crenshaw Dairy Mart created a plant pod. It's an abolitionist pod. Um, one of the founders, uh, one of the members of Crenshaw Dairy Mart is Patrice Cullors, and she was uh, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. So that narrative of, um, and it's, you know, it's still because it's mocha. Um, uh, the narrative of of a plant pod that people come and take plants and then give plants is just uh, an artistic idea of um, creating an economy of care versus an economy of product profit. Um, something that addresses food access um, and um, and brings uh, art to to communities of color. And so my there's so many intersections, you know, uh, because of the art piece. Um, and uh, Mocha asked me because of Mental Health Awareness Month to create a, a series of mental health practices. Um, actually, I, I said that I would give them mental health practices because um, this is how I, I approached um, this, the, this particular project with the question, how do I teach mental health to communities in crisis? How do I teach loving awareness to black, brown and Asian communities um, you know, when violence against us is pervasive. Um, I'm, I'm really, what really scares me is this, um, you know, choose violence meme that's going around. Um, that's, I, I, I don't think that's the good, that's a, a nourishing vibration. Um, and so, yeah, I, I gave them, um, just, I offer in each uh, class, um, a mental a mental health practice that I think hopefully will be digestible um, for for um, for communities of color who often don't get good yoga, good meditation, good mental health practices, if yeah. any at all. You yeah, know? When do you when you say good, what what does that mean for you? Good um, practices, good access. I mean, quality or just. I think all of it. To be honest, you know, I mean, there's hardly a, a yoga studio in communities of color, you know, so if there's not a yoga studio, you're not going to get the, the, the yoga instructor um, uh, population. Uh, and within that population, you know, the good ones who are then going to start to make uh, those impacts beyond just uh, a physical transformation of the body, you know, um, so uh, yeah, I mean, and that's one of been, that's been one of my, um, missions too, is to normalize mental health and to bring mental health practices into communities of color. That's, um, a, that's, that is so needed. So amazing. And, and as you're speaking about like the sort of deficit of 
you know, good quality instruction. I mean, in, in you know, those communities, there's a, it's a, there's a deficit of all, all resources, yeah. right? Food, education, nourishment of all kinds. And so to really normalize that in these, de- you know, I would say desolate communities, it's so fucking important. Yeah. Um, and I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say desolate, like, it, yeah, maybe that's the not, wrong word. Yeah, totally. And then they're, and they're like, I, I feel like they're just removed from it. You know, like I teach um, on Sundays to a Latino LGBT um, group and I teach them yoga. And it's, um, for me, it's always, um, it's always interesting how, uh, how the vernacular and the literacy that we've been talking about um, needs to be, uh, you know, just explained a little bit more because this community, these Latinos, they come from the background of just like me and my, my family actually is your mental health practice is making sure you pray the rosary, you know, um, making sure that you're, you know, um, that you're calling to Jesus, you know, that's the mental health practice. And then there's a whole new literacy and like, like, you know, whole new, uh, way of, of, of seeing this and perceiving mental health that has nothing to do with that, <laughs> you know? So, um, so, you know, coming into that, com- into this community and, and teaching it um, has been really, really uh, interesting and also so gratifying because they pick up on it so fast, so fast, you know, it's just, they don't have access to it. They're, like they're not speaking about that in their, at home, at work, in their, you know, in their tribes, you know, they're not, they're just not. Um, yeah. But that doesn't mean that they don't get it, you know, no, they get it. No. Today I was, I was reading something and the term that they used was called narrative collapse as, as a way to explain kind of what collectively we're going through. It's like, I imagine like for, you know, people aren't exposed to the lit, like the language of yoga or the literacy that you sort of teach. They're having to sort of reorient themselves around this narrative collapse because the old story doesn't align with their felt sense anymore. It's like they feel yeah. like they should be doing feeling like there's an experience that they're having emotionally, physically, anxiety, whatever it might be. Uh, but the old story doesn't support that anymore because it just doesn't. So it's like those two things are really causing a slight confusion. But I think at the end of the day, what you are able to help people see is that the story isn't this, the story hasn't changed. Like you still are a magnificent life force energy, put any label on it. You want Jesus, Buddha, Allah, like Krishna. However, like if you breathe in this way, move in this way, sort of, um, yeah, just connect with yourself as energy, you start to experience life from a different point of view. Yeah, and I think that what I hope that I'm giving and what I want to introduce um, is a practice, you know, not just theory, not just um, some, you know, intellectual, you know, conclusions, but what is your practice? And if you don't have one, here's my offering to you because you need to have a practice, like whether it's praying to the rosary mom or getting on your mat and you know doing breath work or 
you know, yoga, meditation, what is your practice? You got to have one. And one of my, one of my worries is, um, talk about narrative collapse. Um, the, I love uh, that phrase. The collapse of, of colonialism, the collapse mm -hmm. of, of, uh, of Judeo-Christian, um, uh, just that, um, uh, the Catholic church, um, the, the collapse of a lot of, um, paradigms, what has worried me has been, you know, in that collapse, there is a vacuum. And, um, and I hope that that vacuum is not filled with the pursuits um, of the Kardashians or, you know, capitalism that, because that then becomes their practice. You know, they see that as the path to their higher self. Um, that there are, that there's, that more people start to get and understand the purpose to yoga and meditation, you know, and it's not just stretching that's hard, um, that it goes beyond that, you know, and, um, and that's why I feel like it's so important to bring, to normalize mental health. Yeah, to normalize to, to the normalize hygiene. Normalize this practice. Yeah. And the practice and the practice and, and to offer it um, so that people don't get sucked into uh, a void of this narrative collapse vacuum um, that is also just not uh, life supporting or um, no, because it, it, it pokes us all in the fear button. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it, it just I feel like it nudges at our or triggers our fear response in terms of like security. You know, if, if the systems in, that we have trusted for so long or the stories that we've held true are all of a sudden the possibility exists that they were false and crumbling beneath us, like that is scary. A lot of people are, are interested in like, yeah, how did you change? How did you pivot? The transformation. Yeah. Um, so that and then me being able to to teach them, you know, just what my, what my experience was on this path. Um, and then the second, so that's the first Dharma is just in, in every yoga class, you know, teach people self-awakening, self-realization, self-study. Um, and then the second part is finding a way to normalize mental health. Cultivating mental health is a revolutionary act of world peace. Um, because the way everything that everything arises from our thoughts, the world arises um, from the way that we think. So if we alter or start to shift the way that we think, then inevitably we start to alter and shift the world. So everyone doing their part in cultivating mental health and wellness is a revolutionary act toward world peace. Um, and that's why I just, I think it's so, so necessary. Part of that was also from, from the Buddha. He, he actually said that um, all, everything that arises, arises from our thoughts. And so with our thoughts, we create the world. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then that's where I brought in, yeah, that. Yeah, well, you, you made it your own. I think it's, it's, it's definitely profound. What's your, your connection to Bruce Lee? Or the um, you know, nothing <clears throat> right now beyond just like admiration, but mm -hmm. um, I do see him as uh, someone 
an Asian role model. I don't have many, um, but he's definitely one who um, who was in his practice. Uh, he was in his and his chosen practice was um, was martial arts, um, and that his practice, like all practices do, discipline us um, and and refine us. You know um and so one his 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 practice is admirable because he's fucking bruce lee um and then <laughs> secondly uh, many people don't know this but he was so um just multi-talented multi like uh, a philosopher um a writer um you know uh an artist like he and i i, I wonder if this is a uh, part uh, of the path um, that, you know, when you start to discipline yourself, whatever practice you choose, you know, gives you the discipline that starts to manifest um, into your self-awakening, like, you know, like he was just so multi-talented, like he just did so much. And I like to, um, I like to think that I have that same energy or maybe we all do because I have, you know, my puppy line, I have the plants, I have um, uh, puppy line plants, I have the yoga. Um, God, I feel like I'm falling short here. Um, oh, and then I have like my mask and the fashion stuff that I do for like mm -hmm. actual humans. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and um, I think for me, it was, um, realizing on my path that I always want to follow joy, you know, joy is, is a great, um, a great GPS, you know, in terms of uh, finding your purpose, you always want to feel joyful. Um, so, uh, and when you're doing something joyfully, you're just retaining more and, and growing more, you're least resistant, you're in the receptive state, you know, you're in the abundant state. So, um, you know, I kind of just, you know, just look at him and, and say like, you know, he, he, it's cool, John, it's cool that you have so many interests and not a single one of them you have to explain to anybody, you know, so long as it gives you joy. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's why Bruce Lee. Yeah, that's kind of, a, that's a very liberating thought and something that I need to hear as well, because I'm that way, I have 8 million different interests, but and that's I'm all, good. I, yeah, uh, you mentioned now that, that we're kind of getting to the end, you mentioned all the things that you do. Uh, how did you become a plant daddy? <laughs> I mean, just- What is, don't, I'm so curious about this because I love plants and I saw that you are a plant coach. And yeah, so I've been helping, I, yeah. I mean, same thing, it's the vibration. You know, I follow the vibration and the vibration in this particular um, instance happened to manifest as, um, you know, a me loving plants, um, which I do. I have over 70 plants in a studio apartment in Hollywood. <laughs> um, my air quality is amazing. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, so, but, so essential. Um, yeah, and then, uh, so a lot of people have plants and um, some of them are dying and I get it, you know, um, and I go in and help them, um, help their plants become better. And I've, I've had like a, a few and they've all, all of my recomm recommendations have been going really well. So it makes me happy. And then I also do um, urban gardening. Um, I've all actually 
done one so far. So, um, uh, but that is basically just turning someone's, you know, living space into a plant oasis. I did a rooftop in WeHo. It turned out great. It's said that most most modern day millionaires have up to seven streams of income. I'm not mentioning that because you know I, I'm trying to be a millionaire or anything. If it happens, it happens. What I what I guess what I'm saying is we are so abundant in our um, in our joy, and there to think that there is that you're going to reap the joy and your purpose from one job, one career for the rest of your life um, is ludicrous. Um, I think you know if you bring the same practices of you know following the joy and um, and uh, and this is taught in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, just uh, focus on on your work and not the results of the work. You know, focus on it because you love it. Focus on it because you you're you're, you're passionate about it. Um, and and if you do, you know, then um, uh, then great. You know, but don't focus on the results. And but so for this, I mean, I became uh, that all came up me being a, a a plant coach and urban gardening because so many people were already asking me, you know, I didn't go out there and be like, I'm going to do this. You know, um, people were asking me you know, like constantly, how do I do this? How do I save my plant? You know, can you come in and recommend, you know, um, some plants that work with the lighting in this living room? You know, this doesn't get a lot of light, you know, and it was, it was so much that I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start charging. <laughs> yes. So, well, it's, it's almost like the universe just showed up and like, Hey, John, this is a good fit for you. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you're the plant whisperer now. Yeah. And I, and I think that was because again, I didn't, that was not the goal. The goal was to love plants, you know? And, um, and I think I like to think that at the end of the day for all of my plant clients is I teach them also how to love plants, you know, um, and how to have a relationship with them. Um, and then that, because we live in this world, um, I monetized. <laughs> but that again was not the that was not the end goal. I didn't buy my first plant with the idea of charging people, you know, for for my knowledge or like care. The joyful vibration is also the abundance vibration. So if you align to that joy, it's going to bring abundance, and and then just monetize it if you want. That's completely up to you. But when people, when I have students who are, you know, quitting jobs or trying to figure out, okay, if I do quit, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to make money? And, um, and my, my advice to them is, is find something that you love, do it well. And if you do, people will pay you for it. Um, period. Um, so start there, you know, because I sometimes they'll try to like come up with a new Shark Tank idea, you know, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but um, maybe start with just your day to day. What do you love to do? I love making clothes for my dogs. It made me so fuck. They're so cute, and then to have them in something just utterly ridiculous made them even more cute. That so will forever be burned in my mind. The first time I met you at the yoga studio, I came with Minnie as a guest and she was like, oh, there's my teacher, John. And you were standing there, um, might've had your shirt off, muscles rippling, uh, <laughs> spotlights, no. But you had your, your two dogs 
in these track suits. And I was just like, you were such a joyful presence. I was like, oh, th- this is, this is you. All right. I love this guy already. Yeah. Like, this is, this that. is, this is your guru or, you know, she didn't, she wasn't calling you that, but like, yeah, just, it was such a poignant moment. I was like, I'm in whoever this dude is like, let's take this class. I'm excited. Yeah. You no. Know, and, and now getting to know you a little bit more, John, over the last couple of months in these small interactions, uh, it just reinforces my um, admiration for your Thank presence you. and gifts. Brian. And um, yeah, man, I hope we get to do this more often. That That's another thing that I teach my students to choose um, the vibration of joy, uh, to choose the better feeling thought. Um, I think we sometimes get in the habit of being seduced by the, the dark thoughts or the sad thoughts. They're very seductive. And so we choose to continue the sad thought and continue the anxiety thought and to continue the stressful thought um, until you know we go down that path uh, perfectly. Um, but for me, um, one of the lessons that I had to learn, and actually I offer this to you, Brian, because when I first, when I when I left Warner um, and was, you know, just still trying to figure it out, you know, um, concurrently I had also um, just gotten my yoga certification, but I was not teaching yet. So mm-hmm. I was literally just like, I'm jobless. <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, I started finding joy. I started my practice in using my hands in a new way, using my hands in my body and my mind in a new way was to do things that gave me joy. Because if I did, then the answers came quicker. I would work through, um, through barriers quicker. I would problem solve more, you know, and um, it just gave me joy. And again, I didn't know. I mean, when I made Pancake's first hoodie, I didn't realize that I was going to, that that was going to turn into a collection that are in five stores in LA, you know, like I, it wasn't that it was, everything was always choose joy. If you're sitting in bed and you have the choice of, you know, the, the, the non-joy thought and the joyful thought, choose the joyful thought and then keep choosing the better feeling thought. And then Abraham Hicks says this all the time, keep choosing the better feeling thought, keep choosing the better feeling thought because when you're in that state, again, you're in the receptive state. Joy is the receptive state, you know? You're in the path of least resistance, which means you're in the path of most allowing. So if you're in the path of most allowing, then answers just come, flow comes, answers come, you know, abundance comes. And, um, and- Well, yeah, when you- I think we could take that back to the um, the expansion versus restriction. Joyful mm-hmm. is kind of an expansive thought, which uh, which is uh, has more possibility involved. And you know the the fear, worry, anxiety, like that is a restrictive thought. And when you're in that fight or flight, like you don't have access to your brain resources to problem solve to do that. Like you're locked. Yeah, I think for for me, I re- I've begun to recognize that it's almost like an addiction. Like once I get locked into a negative thought, like I sometimes don't even realize I'm spiraling down on it until I start to feel like shit. And I'm like, oh, I've really been leaning into this, like yeah. fucking whatever it is, negative self-talk or, you know, cause sometimes that's my default. And when you're living by, when I'm living by default, it shows up as anxiety, depression, neuroticism, 
self-hatred, <laughs> like all of those things, you know? Yeah. And wouldn't it be great for one day where living by default means you live by joy, by um, pure potential, by expansiveness, by luminosity, by brilliance, by spontaneous correct answer, by, you know, uh, immediate support. Um, just all of those things that that's your default. And I think yeah. that that's completely possible. Well, um, and if, if I may, I would just maybe say that having a practice consistently compounds over time to the point where your default does become more predominantly those things. When Absolutely. You start what you practice becomes perfect. You know, what you cultivate becomes perfect. It doesn't matter what the fuck you're cultivating, but so long as you are in the practice of cultivation over time, it will become perfect. And I think uh, yoga is, is the awakening to, we can cultivate um, uh, better we can cultivate something that isn't so dark and sinister, um, which, uh, like you said, can be your default, uh, a lot of people's defaults, certainly mine when I was hoping that the plane crashed, you know. Um, so there is, I, I think everybody who comes to yoga and meditation at, at the baseline is something different. They come to the mat because they're seeking something different. So my my goal is to is to guide them to that, whatever that might be for them. I love that so much. Well, you've certainly been instrumental in guiding uh, many and uh, certainly have seen your students, um, your classes grow, just sort of, you know, just following as an observer on the outside let's do the podcast thing where you tell everybody where they can find you, follow you, um, look up, dive into your work, your story, find a class if they're in LA. Um, so I can connect people with you to you. Yeah. On my Instagram. It's so it's John J O A N dot S A N dot J U A N John dot San dot one. Um, and that's, yeah, that's where I connect to the world. Um, so, and then I also have my website, which is, uh, a little bit more of the, you know, if you want to buy puppy clothes or face masks or, uh, book a private, um, but for the most part, if you want to stay in, in contact with me, my Instagram. Yeah, I will definitely link to all those things too. And, um, okay. yeah, the only thing that I feel like I didn't get to was we didn't get to talk about cannabis. So maybe <laughs> on another podcast, we can get into that and how it, how, you sort of inter integrate it into your wellness practice and into your yoga practice. Cause I think that's also a paradigm that is shifting. So. Yeah. I could say it very time. easily. I don't fuck with big pharma, but if it's from mother earth, I will try it. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fuck big pharma. Uh, yeah. Fuck big pharma. <laughs> yeah. So many, so many ways. Um, well, John, I am in such joy right now having had this conversation and I appreciate you, who you are. I appreciate you giving me this time to, to connect and, and get to relate on a new level. Um, and I sincerely hope that we get to do it again and um, in person yeah, let me at know. some point. Yeah, cool. would love to um, further that. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Brian. Hey, you're welcome. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, bye. Regards to many.
I'd like to thank my guest, John San Juan, for joining me in conversation, for vulnerably sharing his journey from the corporate world to the entrepreneur that he's become, the energy educator, yoga instructor, and all of the great things that John is doing with his work and in his life. It's truly inspiring. The wisdom of his experience is definitely channeled in his spirit and the artful way he lives his life. So give him a follow on IG at john.san.wan. And you can also look him up at johnsanwan.com. And I I don't know about you, but I'm walking away from this knowing a little deeper what it means to cultivate a practice habit. A practice habit. Let that sink in. The habit of practicing something that helps you grow. The habit of practicing something that makes you a little stronger. The habit of practicing something that makes you a little bit healthier. The habit of practicing something that makes you a little bit nicer. That's all we're talking about here. A very simple method to pick one little thing that you can repeatedly do every day and do that one thing until it becomes a habit and then add it, add something else. And don't beat yourself up for not doing all of the things all at once because that is impossible and is an excuse half the time to not do the thing, the one thing that makes us 10% better or 5% better. The one thing that makes us 1% better every day. Commit and see things change. I mean, human, the human being by its own nature constantly evolves whether we like it or not but sometimes our growth our evolution is impeded because we can't see past the roadblocks we uh, set up for ourselves and I'm going to take the responsibility for me and yeah those roadblocks they show up as trauma and something's out of my control but also, those roadblocks come up in this, you know, in the stories that I'm committed to telling about myself and who I am. You'll notice in this podcast, I ask people what their identity, like I ask people to identify themselves. Number one, because I have trouble doing that on my own. I have a hard time defining. As I, the, I, I hate that question so much. Like, what? How would you describe yourself? I honestly, I don't know. I'm part of. Part of having this podcast is me defining myself in action as opposed to verbally. Now I can say that I am a podcaster or I have uh, I have a voice or something, you know, like whatever. I honestly, that's part of the reason this whole thing exists. So I can update my own narrative identity. But anyway, thank you, John. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, please, if you feel moved, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Help spread the word in some way, shape, or form just to perpetuate these conversations. I find them valuable. I hope other people will and do find them valuable. Uh, visit newnormalpodcast.com. You can follow me or the show on Instagram at Brian underscore Newfang and at New Normal Podcast. You can support the show by buying New Normal merchandise or hit the buy me a coffee button in the upper right-hand corner of the website. 
But I have more people to thank. Uh, Chase Norris, thank you for providing the sound effects, the Gigantics, Henri Osborne for the banging beats. Uh, you can check Henri out on uh, anywhere you stream your music. He's on Bandcamp, Spotify. Uh, I'd like to thank Mark Behrens and the Absurd Ibuprofen song. Uh, check Mark out at Good Jingles um, on YouTube. Thank you, Bruce Lee, for your contribution to culture, art, and philosophy. And of course, thank you for listening. Thank you for those of you whose attention I have managed to keep this far into the thing. If your receptivity wasn't a part of this, I'd probably get really bored. I mean, I may still end up just talking to myself about things, but because I know people are listening, I'm going to keep publishing. Thank you for hearing me. I'll be speaking to you all again on the next one. Until then, build a habit of practice. Practice being your truest self and stay blessed. You don't have to be so rude. Goodness, you have a nasty disposition.